This week on 10-Minute Food Truck Training, we are talking about operational excellence on a food truck. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, and welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore, founder of foodtrucktraining.group. Today, we're talking about employee policies. Besides the ops manual that we talked about yesterday, you're going to need an employee policy guide, especially if you're going to be hiring employees, whether it's one or a dozen. You need policies in place before you hire them. This guide contains information on things like cash shortages, if they're late to work, if they get a break, what kind of discounts do they get, what their wages are, how they get raises, if they get performance reviews, and then all the legalities of employing someone in your state and you'll be talking about workers compensation and reporting injuries and drug testing and background checks and all the things that you may have to do in your state. So in your employee manual you may have a policy like cash shortage for instance or tardiness and once those are breached there has to be some type of disciplinary action and it's depending on on what is stated in the policy. So for example your policy on cash might be the drawer has to balance to within plus or minus two dollars. So at 201, whether it's plus or minus, they're in trouble. And that's when the disciplinary action starts. So the first infraction could be just a simple slap on the wrist, a written notice that says, hey, you were short. You need to be more careful when you're transacting cash for our business. Here's a write-up. Do not let this happen again. And then you want to go one step farther by saying if it does happen again within a certain time frame, this is what will happen. So if your policy is a $2 over and short, and then you also state in your policy that you can only have that happen once every 30 days, then the write-up would say within the next 30 days, if you are over a short, short more than two dollars the next step will be a little bit more serious and then you can fill in that blank with whatever you think the appropriate step is but you want to give everybody a couple of chances because trust me i've handled so much money over the years and counted my own drawers and have made mistakes and i've been the only person in them and for the life of me i don't understand how i made those mistakes but yet i did so no one's going to be perfect so don't expect perfection but you need to have that limitation that hey you need to pay attention to your drawer. And there are some people that actually cannot count. And those people would be better served either working for your competition or being put into a cooking position. So usually the first step in any kind of progressive disciplinary action is going to be just that slap on the wrist that says, hey, don't do this again. And then the second infraction, again, within a specified time frame, could lead to a second more severe write-up. And it could have a penalty, like forfeiting their employee discount for a certain amount of time. So now you've made it a little bit more serious on them, understanding that they cannot perform in this manner. And then the third infraction within a certain time frame, you could have it say you will be terminated. You will be fired. You will lose your job. I'll encourage you to go work for my competition. However you want to frame it, but the idea is that they understand that I can't infinitely be $2 short and no one cares because those $2 do add up. So I call this a predetermined outcome. It's a simple if-then statement. If you ever programmed a computer back in the day, 
day when we did basic, you have a line that would say, if this happens, then go to this step. And that's all an employee policy manual is. If X happens, then Y will also happen. It's no muss, no fuss. Make it simple on yourself. All you have to do is adhere to your own written policy and follow it. Terminations are never easy, but when you're using a procedure like this with carefully written policies that define the escalating disciplinary actions, termination gets a whole lot less surprising and it's a whole lot less unexpected when it happens. Plus, you have documentation to back you up. When you grow and you find you have to employ somebody that doesn't live in your family and you're employing strangers and people that are not from your church, documentation about their performance can make or break your ability to discipline, terminate, or fairly promote and reward and recognize employees. So you have to be fair to everyone across the board, especially if you have a mix of family members and strangers. They all have to be treated the same. You can love your family and treat them awesome when they're off the business, but once they set foot inside that door, they are an employee and are expected to do the exact same things that a stranger is expected to do in your business. One thing I want to point out is if you do disciplinary action, writing up somebody, let's say, give them that little slap on the wrist, it carries a lot more weight if you also go the other direction, which is when they do something awesome, You give them a little congratulatory write-up that says, Hey, this was awesome. I love how you did this. Can you please do it again? Thank you for doing this job. Well done. If you balance the good with the bad, then they both carry a lot more weight. But if you're only writing them up when they do something wrong, they eventually get that, oh crap, moment when you say, hey, I need you to come to the office. Hey, I need you to come over here because they know something's coming up. So balance the good with the bad. Look for reasons to say, awesome job. Thank you so much. Here's a little write-up because you handled 60 guests that hour. That's amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. Let's duplicate that again tomorrow. People like being praised, but the praise carries more weight, just like the disciplinary action will carry more weight if there's a balance of the two. Documentation offers a history of that employee's performance, whether it's good and or bad or a mix of both, and it shows their performance over time. And it should include detailed description of the employee's actions, your actions, and the events as they occurred whenever you go to write somebody up, whether it's good or bad. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to terminate an employee who then goes to file unemployment. And what unemployment filing does, you think it's, well, no big deal, is when you have employees that constantly are filing against you, your unemployment rates go up. So that's why they do all those write-ups on employees when you work for an official company. They are looking to make that paper trail so that it shows somebody when they do an investigation whether the termination was justified. If it's justified, your rates for unemployment do not go up. It's an unemployment insurance, actually. So the more times you file a claim against it or your employees file a claim against it, the higher the premium goes the subsequent year. But if you're justified in your termination, They may still get unemployment, but it doesn't get charged against your account. That's something a lot of people don't understand, but now you do. That's why you write up people so that you have that documentation to basically save yourself some money in the future. And if they really are a bad employee, you're going to be saving yourself a lot of headache and you're going to be saving your guests a lot of issues as well. So if you grow your food empire to encompass dozens of employees or even hundreds of employees, documentation will offer the proof that an employee deserves a promotion or deserves rewards over your 
other employees who could also be eligible. Raises or the lack of a raise can also be justified when you have the proper documentation. Remember, you're documenting good and bad behavior. In our society today, discrimination is in the forefront of everyone's mind. Everyone's always looking for a reason that something happens and they always blame it on discrimination. The Me Too movements have made a mockery out of serious accusations. As a small business owner and you reach any level of success, you're going to be sued because you're perceived to have money. And in the event of a lawsuit, complete and thorough documentation protects you and your business. The documentation will support your actions in terminating a poor employee, and it also can prove that that employee was terminated for a reason that was legal. So you as a business owner need to document employee performance, again, both positive and negative. Document exactly what the employee did and what was said, what you did and what you said in response. Document any agreement made during the conversation, any goals set, any improvements that are required and expected. So if you're talking about somebody that's constantly being short on cash, you may talk about how they can improve on their counting ability. And you may document, I trained this employee on how to count up change. And we spent 15 minutes on how to count up to a dollar. So you need to be as detailed as possible in case you end up having to terminate that employee because they can't count. You should never, ever wait and record the conversation or write up your documentation on a different day than it occurred because the memory won't be as accurate and it'll be a lot more difficult to get the employee to sign that piece of paperwork because you always wanted to sign it. And you may have an employee that thinks they've got legal representation that's told them don't ever sign anything. And what you do is say, no problem. You turn the page over and on the back write, employee refused to sign, put a little X, draw a line, tell them to sign it. Because what that does is it says they refuse to acknowledge the issue, but they have been informed of the issue. And that's all that matters. They've been informed. So don't let some smart aleck little employee who thinks they know all the legal system try to bully you into saying, I'm not going to sign. Not a problem. Just write on the back, I refuse to sign this document and sign your name. We're covered. People will do that. So you want to be detailed. You want to talk about specifics. And you never ever want to put your opinion into something when you're writing somebody up, whether it's a good or a bad write-up. Facts and details win cases. Facts and details justify promotions or justify raises. You can't say things like, Mike is dumb and doesn't know how to count, because that's not going to get you anywhere and probably going to get you in trouble. And yes, he'll win that particular suit against you because you put an opinion rather than a fact. So the fact would be something like, Mike's cash drawer today was short $4.50, Today is July 18th, 2021, and this is the second documented occurrence of a cash shortage. The first was 622, and he was $5.25 short that day. The next occurrence of greater than $2 before 30 days from now will result in termination. And that's all you gotta write. So here you go, Mike, sign this. So the next time that he is short more than $2 before 30 days from today, he knows what's gonna happen. And you don't want to be a liar and say, oh, we'll overlook it this time. Because then it defeats the purpose of having ridding them up in the first place. So you say, Mike, you're short again. We talked about what would happen. So now I'm not going to be a liar. I'm going to have to let you go. You don't have to stand up and yell and scream and holler. You just maintain their self-esteem. You're short again. I'm going to have to let you go. That's all you got to say. You want to minimize your use of adjectives and adverbs. You just want to describe the employee's specific behavior and actions, and your opinion of it does not matter. You can say this impacts guest service by, say, for instance, the 
cashier is taking five minutes to take an order when realistically it should take a minute, then you're going to talk about the impact of that. But you're not saying the cashier is slow. You're saying the, the standard for our operation is to take an order every 60 seconds and it's taking this cashier on average five minutes. This is not acceptable and must be improved. So you're not saying this person is slow. Employee documentation is also considered confidential. So you need to make sure that if you write somebody up that it's locked away to where only you have access to it. Especially anything that's handwritten or printed, just keep it locked away. And again, anytime you're going to write a policy manual that could lead to somebody's termination, consult your lawyer to make sure it's legal in your state what you're writing. Tomorrow we're going to talk about yet another manual that you might need, or actually you should need or should develop, and that's called the Equipment Manual. If you're enjoying our chats, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking that support button. Every little bit does help. If you can only make a one-time donation, i got a link in the description for that as well. In either case, it means the world to me every little bit of support that you guys show. If you like being around positive, like-minded people, I've got a Facebook group full of them. It's called Food Truck Training, and the link is also in the description for that. Thank you guys so much for listening, and stay profitable, my friends.